What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. Run Your Mouth Podcast. We're here and we're doing it. We got all sorts of news topics and uh, we're stalling because I want to give people an opportunity to find the chat, hop into the chat, tell me what's up. You know what? Instead of stalling, why not take this as an opportunity to thank the loyal sponsors of this show, sheathunderwear.com. Use promo code RYM. You get yourself 20% off. And let's say you're just not in the mood for stepping up your underwear game. Well, then you can go to yokratum.com. Get yourself a full $60 worth of kilos. You can get kilos for a full $60. All right, let's just get into some news topics because we've got big stuff going on today. I mean, this is we're back in the groove. There's no more end of year projects. There's no more touring, except I'm going to be in St. Louis this weekend. You guys, uh, you guys showing up for St. Louis first tour date of the new year with Davey Smith playing a club, dude, you know, as much as I love showing up to people's backyards and setting up sound systems and then being like, don't talk to me yet. I haven't put everything together. You're like a mom before a party, which is not a good energy to have, or you're like, I'm not ready for you. I'm not ready to be funny. And I'm trying to put up the speaker system clubs you just get to hang out you get to sit in the green room you get to put an order with the waitress then they got perfect sound systems and uh sometimes you get random people that aren't from our audience you actually get laid so you know club comedy is pretty cool everyone come hang out this weekend st louis with davy smith and if you go to comicdavesmith.com, we've got a whole slew of tour dates roaming the country all right let's get into some news topics uh Producer man, give me my news drops and make sure that those levels are accurate. I don't want any bullshit today. I don't want things not working properly. All right, here we go. Today's episode. Nutritionists are criticizing the NIH food pyramid for ranking Lucky Charms healthier than steak. Are these nutritionists overlooking the lucky aspect? Yesterday, Martin Luther King Day was celebrated with in Boston with a dick. No, it's eating ass. No, it's a don't shoot statue. College professors are asking if it will sow further racial tensions in the area, reminding the local what, <laughs> reminding the local whites that they could be cucked at any minute. Do you guys see that statue? Wait, we can pause this for a second. You guys see that statue? I mean, what do you? Let's get the the Twitter poll going. You guys are in the chat. What did it look like to you most? Did it look like a celebration of a giant black penis? Was it, because uh, I mean, th- 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 this is like whether or not the, 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 blah, 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 I froze everybody. I had a brain freeze. Uh, if like tacos or sandwiches or hot dogs or sandwiches, like you're going to be able to debate this forever. Does it look like it really depends on what angle you look at it from? I'm thinking they must have called the guy up. They were like, we need a local uh, black dude who can do statues. And they called this guy up. They're like, we're looking to honor Martin Luther King. We've uh, pulled our resources together. We've got $10 million to get a nice statue going up here as a remembrance of Martin Luther King. And we want you to do it because of your incredible blackness. And the guy's like, listen, I only do hands. I mean, go check out my website. I'm a hands guy. That's what I do. I don't do faces. I don't do busts. I don't do I, I do not do big monuments. I don't do statues. That's not what I do. I'm a hands guy. I, if you need brawn hands, I could do brawn. say like, listen, we've got a $10 million paycheck here. We're just looking for a nice movie. He goes, you know what? I can make it work. I can make, I'm a hands guy, but I'll make it work. We can do something artsy here. I think I can get two hands going in different directions. I can make it look like one hand's holding the other. And as long as you look at it from this specific angle, it's going to look nice. So you might want to like put up a curtain so that people don't actually look at this from like the 360 because uh, sometimes arms, when you're looking at them from the right, they look like horse penises. So, you know, that's not on me. And if you look at it from another angle, it looks like in that Pink Floyd, uh, the wall thing, when, uh, 
when they're singing about defecating on your head and it becomes the the wall turns into the walking ass monster that's going to take a shit. So it looks like somebody's trying to hug that. Someone's trying to pull their own head into their own asshole. But listen, I'm a hand, I'm a, I'm an arms and hands guy. So ten million dollars, yeah, I can get that done. All right, what else do I got? We bring back my news drop music, uh, Mr. Mr. Newsman. Here we go. With new studies on the dangers of gas stoves, the United Groups of uh, Neurotics is wondering what other household items might be killing them. The toaster gets smoky. Is that safe smoke? Dude, toasters get way more smoky than your thing when you're in. We need to do a good job of cleaning out the side of the toasters. What about slow flushing toilets? Am I breathing above the recommended amount of turd fumes? What is the EPA's guidance on turd fumes? And what about loud hinges? Are the loud hinges making me deaf? I mean, anything in your house could be killing you. We've been using gas stoves forever. Now we're finding out that it's giving the kids, uh, you know, uh, uh, lung problems. Actually, that's why they're falling down during soccer practice. It's it's that it's global warming in the ovens that we left in people's houses. All right, next story. Tennessee is recovering from a police sex scandal where a female officer was fired for having sex with five fellow officers. You know, the kind of thing Kamala Harris got promoted for. And what kind of reward is that for being a team player and helping morale around the office? That's a fair question. The five male officers were also fired, and three others were suspended after coming forward with the defense of, hey, man, I only got a hand job. The real question is how do you find out which complete dork in your office is actually a super secret slut? You probably got to open up a can of Adderall and see who runs over like a rat. I feel like that's the move. I feel like you see dorky chicks standing around. I feel like that's the rat trap for dorky chicks that are secret sluts is, uh, you know, who, who's doing amphetamines. Mousy faces into amphetamines, and you might have a secret super cool slut on your hands. But then, you know, you got to do further investigations to discover, um, uh, you know, like the etiquette of how many of your other coworkers you can share that lady with before maybe because if it's just you, then it becomes a relationship. Now you got a workplace relationship on your hands. But if you share with too many people, then there's one guy who ends up going to HR and going, hey, how come the rest of these people got laid and I only got a hand job? I don't understand. What is it with the, why is it, why is this lady blowing everybody else in the office and I'm only getting a handy? And so you get, you get that's the other dynamic. And then last one is, um, is the egg shortage here to mess up SEO searches about what Moderna is doing to women's bodies? Pretty sure that's original. I might have saw that somewhere. If I did, I apologize. But I'm pretty sure that was original. And it was a good one. I liked it. Maybe I didn't say it in the most coherent way. All right, let's move on. I got other news topics. Gas stoves. Let's get into the gas stove stuff. So uh, obviously, you know, we got global warming going on. And so we need everything running off the electrical grid. We, we can't have anyone with any capacity to in any way not be tied into some sort of a grid that can be controlled by other people at all points and times. I mean, if the World Economic Forum is going to be turning off our electricity, even just for a little while, even just for a little while to show you that you need better centralized planning because look at the disasters that can happen when we make them happen. Well, then we can't have people with their own farmable land and their own gas stoves. We need everyone fully reliant on this system at all times. Did you guys see that one? That one was creepy because firstly, he just sounds like such a villain. And then he's talking about, you thought Corona was bad. Well, can you imagine what would happen if something happened to your electric grid? That's why people better put us in charge so we can, well, what's wrong with the electric grid? Is it the fact that that's been a government monopoly forever? Why am I relying on a grid that might be able to go down at any juncture in time? Why is this grid vulnerable to hacks? Maybe it needs to be less centralized. 
And then you look back because you might remember this. You go all the way back to the Sam Parker days when he warned us that Corona was coming. And he was like, this is some weird shit that you got Bill Gates and you got these other people two years ago. They're running models about what could happen if a pandemic struck and then all of a sudden a pandemic did strike. And now they're going, oh, that that you, you thought pandemics were bad. Just imagine what could go wrong with the electrical grid and imagine if someone were to hack it. And imagine if someone were to hack it that we've already claimed is the worst enemy ever that we're not actually in a war with. I'm talking about Russia, just in case you're not following it, that Russia is usually the people that hack people. And now you've created this super villain and you're saying, hey, we're not at war with these people, but this guy is the worst guy ever. And then you're telling me that the worst thing that could possibly happen is the exact thing that could very be easily be blamed on this person. All right. You know what? I wasn't even trying to get into the World Economic Forum. I was just trying to make a commentary on gas stoves. We really went off the rails there. I mean, I really just brain farted out a lot of what I've been thinking about the last couple of days, which is uh, they want everyone on the electric grid. Everyone's pl cars plugged in. They want everything on a system that they could be shutting down at any given moment in time. No independence. All right. But back to the gas stoves. So they're saying that the gas stoves are dangerous. I want to tell you guys a fine tale of when I was a young lad trying to barbecue with my dad on a Monday night. I guess my mom was doing something else. Me and my dad, we had to forage our own food amongst the kitchen. And it was a winter night. And my dad decides we're barbecuing. And we go outside. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. The fact that I survived to tell this tale is incredible. We go outside. I don't know. Maybe we got some hot dogs or some stupid bullshit. And uh, we're going to start the grill. We start the grill. And the uh, thingy thing's not working, right? And so my dad realized, you know what? We're going to have to toss a match in there. So my dad, he goes, tosses a match into the grill. And for like a split second, we were standing in a sphere of blue. Now, I don't know how we didn't burn alive in that process, but we were certainly running the gas a little bit too long. Made the unwise decision of just tossing a match in. And when that match hit, I'm telling you, for a split second, we were turning it just in a perfect sphere of blue. And then the gas grill just ran. It was no problem. All right. So that's on the gas. I mean, that's a grill. I understand. No one's got a grill inside their house. But, you know, I'm just saying that their whole claim is that, you know, gas stoves could be dangerous because we ran a test where we got rid of all the insulation. And then we had a retarded person that we found on the Internet run the gas stove and they were not very good at turning it on and off. And there was a whole bunch of leakiness. And apparently if you had kids around who uh, were also predisposed for, um, you know, because of their fatness, and their general wheezing, we put them into the confined rooms without windows with zero insulation. And now we got a study here that says that this increases asthma. So that's what they did. You know, they, they took the gas stoves and they said, hey, we can't be having these gas stoves because these kids are getting asthma. It's got nothing to do with the fact that we want to start putting air quality monitors into your own home and making sure that everything's electric uh, so that, you know, we have to get more coal from China in order to keep our electric grid up and running. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It's, it's got to do with this study of where we sealed all of the windows on this room. And then we had a kid, uh, you know, basically smoke on a pipe of coal and then say that it was the gas fumes that um, yeah, that gave him uh, bad lungs and nothing to do with vaccinations that people might have had. So that's what they're doing. Right. They come forward with these studies. But then you get the people on the other side and they're like, yeah, but electric is actually worse because with the electric stoves, People end up causing fires. And I'm here to tell you that one's that one's kind of true. 
You know how many times I've actually left my oven on? I mean, I got I got one of the uh, the electric ones, which people that are complaining that electric ones are bad to cook on. Come on, you're not that good of a chef. None of you people are such good fucking chefs that you're burning your eggs because you're using the electric instead of the gas. I got to tell you, I actually per, kind of prefer the electric because I'm dumb and fidgety. And so when I'm working with the gas stove, I always end up like just hearing the click. Like it never clicks on right away, even though there is something satisfying with the like when it when the flames actually when it does light and then all right and maybe i don't know if you're really one of these patient people who's really good at lowering it all the way down also gas stoves get more annoying when you're trying to make noodleage and your bubbles are coming over the top and then they're just going into the stove and then you end up with the fire and then you forgot that you were running the gas whatsoever so you know i guess if you're trying to evaluate what is more more putts friendly is it the gas stove which you have to be somewhat more aware of is running or is it the electric one, which is very easy to leave on and then walk into your kitchen three hours later and wondering why it's so hot in there and realizing, Oh, I've left the broiler on. I will say electric broiler over, uh, over gas oven. Do gas ovens have like a, like a flame on top or is it also, are they always electric broilers? Cause I'm a big fan of the electric broiler. I make a lot of shitty overcooked meat on, on electric broilers. But just to wrap this one up, this complete nonsense topic of gas stoves. Uh, so clearly, they came up with some sort of false study about the dangers and that, hey, we got to help out these kids by getting more of the electric thing, which puts them at more risk for fires. And I didn't delve into all the details on this one. Because sometimes, you know, how is it every single story is the same time? You've done enough reading. You don't have you don't have to do it anymore. You just you don't. They come out with the story. You could just assume, OK, it's a false. It's a fake study. And there's consequences that they're overlooking to the policy that they're trying to initiate, which is actually going to be more har harmful to the exact community that they're trying to represent. If you could just go right down that one sentence, and I promise you, you just do three minutes of investigative research, and that will turn out to be the story 92% of the time. And the theme is that they want to have more control over your lifestyle and the name of safety so that, you know, I guess the people in the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates can make more money. All right. I just said a whole bunch of shit. Why don't we take a why don't we take a couple comments here? We've got Wade French coming in for the wood stove. Yes, I'm sure that's probably better for your health is a wood stove from within the house. Um, Beta Bams gas stoves will always own electric. There you go. People are really into their gas stoves. I cooked on both. I does not make a difference. Electric oven, FTW, gas top, 100% superior. I must just be that bad of a chef that I don't know. I don't, I can't not tell you the difference in my shitty, horrible home cooking between using um, a gas or electric stove. All right, next topic. What do we got? Joe Biden, follow-up questions we'd like to ask. If you were not on Twitter yesterday, go get yourself on Twitter. There are countless videos of Joe Biden. He's up there. He's trying to memorialize uh, um, Martin Luther King, and he's saying all sorts of dumb shits. Like I and I, but we, we, we just need a couple follow up questions to make this more fun. Like, hey, Mr. Biden, uh, whose birthday are we celebrating in the middle of a speech? For some reason, he decides to sing someone happy birthday. And then he realizes that he doesn't know the person's name. That's a bad moment. That's a bad moment when you hop into a conversation and you just realize here was another one. At some point, he said um, a comment that George Floyd's death was more impactful than uh, Martin Luther King's. 
And where's the follow-up question on that one? I mean, that sounds like you're saying something profound here. Why was George Floyd's death more impactful than Martin Luther King's? Are you saying Martin Luther King wasn't having an impact until he was killed? Are you saying that both of those individuals weren't doing anything with their lives and it was through death that they were able to uh, influence the culture? I mean, is that what you're trying to say? Are you trying to say that Martin Luther King wasn't really accomplishing anything? I'm just curious to know what you were getting at. And then, of course, we should find out uh, why Hunter Biden was paying him. I mean, this is off topic, but as long as we actually have the president available for questioning, why Hunter Biden was paying $50,000 a month rent to live in his own dad's house. And what documents were being kept in that house that Hunter Biden's paying $50,000 just to live in a house with these documents? Is these the documents for procuring, procuring kids? Well, what kind of documents are we looking at here? What kind of visitors was he having over? Of course, you weren't keeping any lags, logs. That's where uh, Hunter Biden's uh, uh, having his hooker parties. You're spending $50,000 a month on a house. You're calling up women going, hey, dude, I got a fucking nice ass spread here. You're going to come over? You're going to come and enjoy this $50,000 a month pad. This is the most expensive rental in the entire state. I mean, you could be renting like four blocks here for this price tag. For this price tag, there's like probably like you could probably rent all the houses on a block. But all right, moving on. What else we got? What else we got? Yellen urges Congress to act ahead of January 19th debt limit deadline. So, you know, every month we find out that we need even more money. They haven't spent enough money. They got to ship more to the Ukraines. And then every single month, there seems to be some new debate about uh, who, how much more money they're going to have. And I guess if there was any system in place to make sure people didn't spend too much money, I guess you'd have a limit. You go, all right, everyone, we're, we're, we're spending too much here. And then Janet Yellen's basically stepping forward. And hey, guys, if we're going to have a working system here, I need to know that yours are that you guys are fully committed to spending all of the money. We can't be having limits. If we want to be able to continue to sell our debt and have people fund this operation, the the other people in the world are going to need to know that we have your full commitment to just spending all of the money. And then like usually when you go to like the money people, you know, you go to your accountant and they go, "All right, we better take a second look at this." And they go, usually you're going to have to spend less. This is like your accountant going, hey, I need you to be spending even more and forget the business expenses. I'm, I'm talking personal items. I need to know that you are fully committed to spending all of the possible money that anyone could possibly spend. Because if you don't do that, this whole, this whole corporation is going belly up. All right, last topic. And then we're going to get off of you know, certain platforms so that we can delve into the most recent in uh, uh, Corona information. But this is from the AP expanded U.S. training for Ukraine forces begins in Germany. And uh, now we're over in Germany and we're actually uh, we're, we're not just giving the Ukrainians money. We're not just giving them our equipment. We're not just training them, I guess, remotely on how to use our equipment. Now we're actually setting up shop in Germany uh, to further train the Ukrainians on how to spend our money with our military equipment that we've sent them. Uh, and what I just like about this is that, so here we are, we're refusing to fight Germany, but we're willing to fund, train, and basically empower the other side. It's like, usually if you're going to be a son of a bitch, you got to do it behind closed doors. Usually what you do is you go, hey, listen, I've got no control over this. I can't get involved. And then you call the other guy and go, hey, you know, the other guy's scheming something over here. 
hey, we're going to have to shut this thing down. That's usually what you do. If you want to be a son of a bitch behind closed, to be, you know, on the phone, you go, hey, listen, this isn't my lane. There's nothing I can do for you. I'm staying out of this. And then you call up the other side and you son of a bitch someone. That's how to be a son of a bitch. But you can't son of a bitch somebody out in public. You can't go, hey, listen, I'm not going to get involved here and then go, yeah, but I'm going to write that guy a check and I'm going to train him on how to beat you. You know, like the, you got. Why aren't we being a little bit more discreet here in our uh, son of a bitchery? All right, everybody. Before we switch off of this platform, thanks once again to our sponsors, Yo Kratom, Yo Delta. Dude, load up on the Yo Deltas. You know, and do the do this year right. Just get yourself a big ass bag of gummies and fucking get after it. Promo code RYM twenty percent off for sheath underwears. Make sure your balls feel good. Why, why, why you got to have nuts that are flopping all over the place? Sheathunderwear.com, promo code RYM. You get yourself 20% off. Let's take a couple comments. Um, for anyone interested in watching the rest of this live stream, there are places that you can do it. You can go to Odyssey. You can watch the rest of it. You can go to Twitter right now, or you can go over to Twitch. I can continue to take live comments from Twitch. Uh, but in an effort to just remain respectful of the YouTube community, uh, we understand that the uh, rest of this content is uh, too truthful for the platform. It's not what they like here. You know what I mean? So we just want to remain respectful. And so we're going to come off of YouTube now. David Allen, remember when John Jr. had a 15-minute meeting with a Russian lawyer and it was a three-year scandal? Common sense. Shut the government down. No more debt. Lame duck session anyways. I'm okay with that. And then Larry I, Lazy Eye Bear, classic razor blade model. Give them the hardware and our weapons, MFGs, will make the bank. All right, here we go. Latest in COVID news starting in 10 seconds. Coming down from here. Wait, hold on. I, I'm sorry, everybody. Remove. Remove. All right, we're down from that one. Now we're down from that one. Now we get to hang out with you people, the nice folks at Twitter. All right, what do we got? This is from uh, BBC News. XX deaths in 2022 amongst worst in 50 years. And I want to remind everyone before we start having conversations about the vaccine and we start having com and we and we're having conversations about whether or not the vaccine is creating uh, bad side effects, whether or not you got too much myocarditis up in these kids, whether or not you got it's causing all sorts of strokes, whether or not and before we even get into the possibility that the vaccine might be causing harmful side effects and it might not have that much utility. What I'd like to remind the viewers of this program is that that is the wrong conversation to be having. The conversation to be having is government fucked up by shutting down. That when the government did mandates, when it tried to pretend, hey, everyone doesn't need to work. Everyone can just stay in their homes. And as long as they stay in their homes, we can solve this problem for everybody. We can send them checks to get them through this time period. We can get just beyond this curve of hospitals being overrun. And we can wait until there's a medication. Remember. They came forward and they said, listen, we've got a plan for this deadly virus. If we just go out there, it's going to be a disaster. We've got a plan. And so we're going to have mandates. We're going to lock people in their homes. And uh, let's look at the costs of that. Government stepping in and saying, instead of you being able to make your own decisions, we're going to go full totalitarian socialism and we're going to have people stay in their homes and we're going to make the decisions for them. And we're going to have health mandates. So let's look at the effects of that, because let's say that the vaccines turned out 
to be a working piece of equipment, but everyone became a bunch of alcoholics because they were locked in their house. People missed out on so much education that they lived a depressed, fat life for the rest of their existence. Government's still at fault for that. If the vaccine worked perfectly, but they made a bad decision in shutting down schools, shutting down your jobs, telling people that like look at it this a different way. Imagine that the uh, virus, let's just a thought experiment here. Imagine that the virus killed off 10% of the population. Let's say it was that deadly, but we made a decision of, hey, we're just going to work. That's what we got to do. We can't afford just to shut down. We can't just afford to stay in our homes. It's inevitable that people are going to get sick. There's absolutely nothing that, that we can do to prevent this. This is a tragedy for everybody, but there's the zero that anyone can do. This is just a fact of life like death, old age, taxes. There are some things that happen in life that are tragic, but they're a part of life. And so the same as a volcano erupting and covering your uh, your village with with lava. If we weren't prepared in advance for that, there's no evacuation plan. Sometimes tragedy hits and it's tragic. Right now, we've got a new virus. It's tragic, but there's literally nothing that science can do to help. And so what we recommend is that we just take it on the chin. Let's just imagine that we went with that decision. Tough decision, bad decision probably not even a good decision against 10%, but let's just imagine that we decided to do that. Let's just imagine. All right. And I hope that I don't end up saying something really stupid that's going to negate the Sam Harris video that we just did on part of the problem, where now I sound like the evil guy going, hey, let's do a thought experiment that makes me right. But I don't think so. Let's stay focused here. Now, let's imagine that the government decision to shut down ended up killing off 20% of the population. Let's just imagine that they made a decision to shut down. They locked everyone in their homes. And then it turns out that, you know, they didn't have enough resources for everyone to be in their homes. People lost their fucking minds and you ended up with 20 percent of the population dying. Well, then you take a step back and go, all right, between the decisions of whether or not to shut down and have 20 percent die or face the virus and have 10 percent die. It sounds to me like we're better off facing the virus. Once again, what I'm just trying to say is that this is a theoretical. And so to me, the conversation to be had is about the ill effects of the full government program of having shut us down, locking us in our homes and making a decision, hey, the government can come in, it can run all of our lives, it can make this, this these decisions for us. That that's that's where the fight's at. Was that government decided to go full socialist on all of us. That like so the vaccine is just one element of a bad policy that was rooted in socialism and government making health mandates and like just overreaching in the decisions that it's supposed to be able to make in our lives. The vaccine was just one element of that. It's not the only thing. So I do feel like we're almost like there is, it's like this thing where they shift the storyline again. Hey, we never said that this wasn't going to get you sick. We said that uh, if you take it, you uh, you're going to not get as sick. You're not going to end up in the hospital. No, that's not what you guys said. So let's not let them change the argument to like the vaccine was the only thing that, you know, was a mistake. The whole thing was a mistake. If the vaccine worked perfectly and now we've got overwhelming death because of um, because of uh, addictions, uh, miseducation, people's businesses closing down, that's the government's fault. Those are the consequences that they overlooked in the decision that they did and they made a bad decision and they should be at fault for that bad decision. All right, moving on, though. So you've got excess deaths in 2022 amongst worst in 50 years. 
Um, so this is from BBC. And of course, they want to say that it has nothing to do with the vaccines. You can go read the article. They say the only uh, the only thing the only excess death that could exist would be relative myocarditis, but that's very rare. And it's not in the categories of people that we're seeing excess deaths with. Um, all right. Lasting effects of pandemic. Some of the excess may be people whose deaths were hastened by the after effects of a COVID infection. Cause that's the new spin here. It was uh, long COVID or the COVID just changed things about people. A number of studies have found people are more likely to have heart problems and strokes in the weeks and months after catching COVID. And some of these may not end up being linked to the virus when the death is registered, as well as the impact on the heart of the virus itself. Some of this may be contributed by the fact many people didn't come in for screenings and non-urgent treatment during the peak of the pandemic, storing up trouble for the future. All right. So they're coming up with two excuses. One excuse is that perhaps there's just all these misdiagnoses. Once again, I would say government's at fault for that. Or it's the it's the result of COVID that COVID made lasting changes to things like people's heart. And so even though they didn't die from COVID within the two weeks that they had it, it, it was the result of the COVID that they had had. Eh, that, that one seems a little bit harder to prove. That one seems like some spin. Now, this one is from a Zero Hedge article uh, looking at excess deaths and uh, particularly looking to see if there's an increase in um, uh heart, I guess, heart failure in younger individuals. So let's read this. This is from a Zero Hedge article. Um, and give me one second here. All right. Excess deaths have jumped dramatically in the U.S., excess death being fatalities beyond the yearly average. The majority of excess deaths in the past two years involving people under the age of 65 are not caused by COVID infection. At least, 30, at least 32,000 excess deaths in 2021 have been directly attributed to heart failure and circulation-related failures. Circulatory deaths were a major contributor to additional deaths among ages 18 to 44. The UK has released information indicating a similar spike in excess deaths last year, the highest in 50 years, in fact. UK officials, of course, deny any connection to vaccine side effects and instead claim that the heart failure might be an after-effect of COVID infection. However, multiple reports and studies show that the COVID virus causes no significant damage to the heart and is not a contributor to heart failure, despite rumors spread within the mainstream media. For example, in March 2021, a group of sports cardiologists reported on nearly 800 professional athletes who had tested positive for COVID-19. Less than 1% of these athletes had abnormal findings on cardiac magnetic re, uh, resonance scans or stress. I don't know the next word. None of these athletes had cardiovascular trouble when they returned to play. That's from Zero Hedge. Uh, okay, moving on on this topic. This was from Reuters. Fact check, finding that most people dying from COVID-19 are vaccinated does not mean vaccinations don't work. So this was making the rounds that the majority of people dying are currently vaccinated. You read that and you're like, oh man, these vaccines aren't working. And now they're going to point to the fact, well, the majority of people at this point are vaccinated. So it would height, it would increase the odds of, uh, in other words, if the vaccine had utility and less people got sick and, and sick and died that were vaccinated, but there were more vaccinated people. So then the, it could still be that the vaccine is helping you. It's like if a hundred percent of people were vaccinated, right. And let's just say that only 1%. I mean, even that, let's just, let's keep the math simple. If a hundred people, if a hundred percent of the population were vaccinated and 1% died 
after vaccinations, then 100% of the people who died would be vaccinated. The question is, as it's always been, and now they're willing to look at it the whole time when we're like, hey, can we actually see the numbers between the people in each age group, the people with risk factors, and whether or not they're in the hospital that were vaccinated or not vaccinated? Very simple way to look at this information. Hey, just break down the categories. And back then, they were willing to break down the categories. Hey, it doesn't matter if... Uh, if you're a 24-year-old male or a 65-year-old diabetic, everyone's got to get this vaccine. doesn't matter if you're at risk for, uh, for dying of this virus or not. We need everybody taking this vaccine. Now, all of a sudden, they seem to be a lot more interested in breaking these things down by category. All right, so let's, see, let's give this a read. Statistics that show the majority of deaths from COVID-19 are among vaccinated people reflect the fact that most people are vaccinated, not that the vaccines are ineffective, as implied in a social media post. Similar statistics show COVID, uh, COVID vaccines continue to reduce the risk of dying and severe illness, um, an expert told Reuters. Okay, jumping ahead in the article. The data cited in the article show the majority of COVID-19 deaths are among vaccinated people, particularly the elderly, a group that is nearly 94% vaccinated in the United States. CDC data cited in the same article shows that vaccination continues to reduce risk of death across all age groups. So in other words, hey, listen, the vaccine's working. It just happens to be that it's not working for the one group of people that need it. You know, the people that were the risk categories that might actually die of COVID. So you can't look at that group of people that are dying and say that the vaccine isn't working because those people, well, isn't that the one people that would need it? So you're saying that the group of people that are having problems are the ones that are vaccinated. Okay. And now, well, they're claiming, well, it's, uh, it's because 94% within this group are, are vaccinated but like even there, there's like a little bit of a range because firstly, I'd like to actually see the pure numbers of uh, death between vaccinated and unvaccinated. And then you'd want to look at the percentage. So is it actually like a like, I mean, that I, that should just be the figure right there. Let's just say that there were only I don't know. OK, I, I mean, you could probably do the math. Let's say there is uh, 10 million people over the age. I mean, that's not true. Let's just say there's 100 million people over the age of 65 in this country. Let's just let's just imagine that. And let's keep the math simple. 90% are vaccinated. 10% aren't vaccinated. So you got 900. Uh, what I say? So you got 90 million vaccinated people and 10 million unvaccinated people. So what's the rate that the 10 million are ending up in the hospital versus the rate that the 90 million are ending up in the hospital? And then you'd have a very clear picture of, hey, here's how much the vaccine is helping people. And then you can get even fancier where you start looking at the risk categories and stuff like that of uh, who has pre-existing conditions, maybe get even more granular with the age ranges. But I'm just saying, if they wanted to give you honest information, that figure would be pretty easy to determine. They don't seem to want to determine it. They just want you to take their word for it. Well, exactly how much utility is this giving you within these age groups? They don't want you to know that information. Let's continue. The Washington Post article cited in the video written by Post researcher Mackenzie Beard was originally published on November 23rd in the Post Health Policy Newsletter with the title, Vaccinated People Now Make Up a Majority of COVID Deaths. According to a spokesperson for the newspaper, the spokesperson added that the article tied on the Post website was later updated to clarify its intended focus. Uh, COVID is no longer mainly a pandemic of the acts of unvaccinated. Here's why. Didn't really need to read that um, uh, paragraph. All right. Last thing that we're going to read from this article. That is why Cox added, when the CDC statistics are adjusted to account for those differences between groups, we still see that the unvaccinated people are at much greater risk of death and other severe outcomes than vaccinated and boosted people are. 
And I want to ask a question. How can that possibly be true? How can it possibly be true that at this point with natural immunity, uh, people that are vaccinated are overwhelmingly doing better than the groups of people that were never vaccinated? How can that possibly be true? I mean, if you've got a vaccine that seems to not even be doing as well with the current variants, and then you got people with natural immunity, how can it possibly be that the people with natural immunity are still doing worse than the people who have been vaccinated? I mean, uh, please, you can explain this one to me. Maybe I'm just missing something. Maybe I, by the way, I'm very open to missing something specifically on this detail, even if like I've been right on most things. Maybe on this one, maybe it's that uh, natural immunity is running out sooner than the people who have been recently uh, boosted with uh, old vaccines that don't work for current variants and seem to lessen uh, the T cells or other basic functions of immunity. I mean, how I, I mean, how can it be that at this point, I, uh, maybe I'm missing something here. Um, Stuart Ray, a professor of medicine and oncology at the John Hopkins University School of Medicine, pointed to a second CDC report published in November showing that people 65 and older had the highest rate of deaths from COVID-19, but vaccine continues to reduce the risk of dying in all age groups. It is clear from that analysis that across age groups, vaccination reduces risk of death from COVID-19 by six to 12 fold, depending on the age group studied. All right. Fair enough. Now, this is from Alex Berenson. We've been saying for a long time, the CDC hasn't made the information readily available so that you could easily analyze how well the vaccine was working and the breakdowns by age groups, everything that we've been talking about for a long ass period of time. Something that was interesting, and I actually had noticed this. I had noticed this when I was reading through CDC stuff was that they had this clause in there that unknown vaccine status was considered not vaccinated. So if you're at the hospital and they're counting you, you die, you die of COVID and they want to register whether or not you were vaccinated or not to say, oh, wow, we've got another unvaccinated death here. Well, if they didn't know your vaccine status, then they would just say you weren't vaccinated. Now, how many incidences were there of some just lazy nurse going, I don't know, did he walk in with this COVID card? Hey, he came in unconscious. We didn't get a chance to ask him. Can I, uh, uh, he came in with his boyfriend, but that's not considered a wife or spouse. Can I ask them? I mean, how much formal documentation would you need in order to declare somebody vaccinated? And how much time is the nurse or whoever other person is supposed to spend uh, going into a central registry system that doesn't even exist to determine, oh, that you were vaccinated to then indicate that you were vaccinated, right? It's like a basic uh, check-in or check-out system. If you put the burden of proof on them to validate the fact that you were vaccinated after you're dead, yeah, it sounds like you're going to have some errors. So this is from Alex Berenson, and he was claiming that recently in Chicago, uh, there was a specific district that had declared uh, vaccine uh, unvaccinated death numbers that didn't make sense, considering the percentage of people in that area uh, that they were claiming to have vaccinated. That if you had claimed that, let's just say, if, I mean, let's just keep it simple. If you claim that 100% of an area is vaccinated, and then all of a sudden we're looking at the health records, in this area where 100% of people are vaccinated and you're saying that there's all sorts of unvaccinated deaths, well, something's not adding up here. You're telling me that all sorts of people travel to the area? Is this a travel destination here? There's something going on. Now, it's not that math there is not that simple, but he was saying that if you take away, we already know that one, they had a bad way of keeping these records where the assumed status was that you were unvaccinated unless they knew your vaccine status. 
Now he's looking at actual hospital records from a specific district and saying the amount of people that they're saying died who are unvaccinated doesn't add up with the amount of people in the area statistically that they've registered as being vaccinated, which would point to the fact that the flaw that we've been stating for a while of unknown vaccine status being considered to being vaccinated was in fact boosting the unvaxxed numbers. All right, let's read the piece. As of this morning, two hospitals reported caring for 293 non-COVID patients over 65. Based on the local population averages, only four of those 293 should be unvaccinated. Yes, the internal hospital system database listed 82 of those 293 non-COVID patients over 65 as having unvaccinated or unknown COVID vaccine status. In other words, the hospital is reporting about 20 times as many people over 65 as potentially unvaccinated as would be expected from a random sample, 82 compared to four. Might have had it wrong of the people actually dying. It might have just uh, have been for hospitalizations. All right, last recent piece of COVID data I would like to share with you guys. Mark, Je- Mark Jeftowick wrote an incredible book called Unassailable. He ran a promotional spot for that on part of the problem uh, about two years ago. Uh, the book was about how to keep yourself from being, uh, basically, uh, censored on the internet. Uh, and so half of the book is on my shelf as a guide for if I ever get more serious about, uh, my own online presence, but there's a lot of technical talk about hosting your DNS, your SEO, all this stuff for how, uh, service providers can remove you from the internet. And then the first half of that book is an unbelievable, um, uh, unbelievable take on basically all the ramping up of internet censorship um, that existed and all the ways that uh, government targets individuals. It was a great read. The first half, second half, more technical, skimmed it. And I was like, okay, if I ever uh, decide to actually take my online presence more seriously, here's the guidebook on how to handle that. He was in Zero Hedge. It's always cool when you see a familiar face on Zero Hedge uh, with an article all about the numbers and excess death. And basically, uh, um, mental comparisons between people that, you know, who or stories that you've seen now of people dying unexpectedly, uh, versus, you know, stories of people dying from actually having had COVID. So the things that interested me in this article was one, uh, charts on basic overall, uh, death numbers being up. Once again, it doesn't matter if this is because of the vaccine or just because of bad policy. Either way, it points to the fact that government's at fault and they shouldn't just be stepping in and saying, hey, we're going to we're going to lock everyone down in the name of health because they're not very good at uh, taking a look at the data. And if the unintended consequences of things such as misdiagnosis, depression, suicide rates, et cetera, et cetera, are going to outweigh any of the benefits, they're not very good at that. Uh, And then secondly, I was saying, hey, one player getting hit in the chest during a football game and collapsing is not evidence of the fact that there seems to be uh, th- that's a one off. Let's not let's not look at a one off and run with it. So he had a chart and um, he's actually, at least in this article, claiming that there has been a considerable spike in the increase of incidents of athletes collapsing on fields since the rollout of the vaccine. Let's take a look at some of the numbers. This article claims that before 2021, the average annual number of athletes collapsing on the field was 29, and that since 2021, that's blown up to 1,652 and counting. For the sake of balance, here's the AP fact check telling you there's nothing to see here. 
saying this number simply cites a blog, goodscience.com, for that figure. The Good Science uh, article itself derives that number from media reports of each individual incident and has a footnote with an attribution, a link for everyone, all 1,652 of them. I guess just for the sake of fairness, uh, maybe the people over at Good Science, not a website I'm familiar with, uh, did a worse job at record keeping prior to 2020 when they came to the number of 29. Maybe they did a much better job of uh, tracking that after 2021. And so it's in their way of uh, accumulating these media reports. Or maybe there's in the past when people were collapsing on fields, there weren't media reports about it. So if you're scouring media reports for this information, the 29 figures, that might be the flaw in the study. I might've just figured it out. But when I was reading it, I was like, this is the first time uh, I'm seeing real numbers on this. All right. I believe. Uh, but I've had enough for today. Tragic story. Um, guy talks about his uh, son dying after being vaccinated, and then FEMA calling him up uh, to try and convince him. Uh, th this is according to his claims. This is a random video I came across on Twitter, but just if we're having a discussion about um, possible unscrupulous data keeping that may have better. Uh, overstated the vaccine utility and understated the potential harms. There's a video uh, making the rounds. Uh, the guy's name is Ernest Ramirez, and he claims that after his son died from taking the COVID vaccine, I believe it was FEMA, which I don't know why it would be FEMA, uh, requested that he... And I also, you know what, this is why I don't want to play the video, but we're already talking about it. His claim was that uh, I, I believe it was FEMA called him to say that if he would that they would be able to send him money if he changed the cause of death, maybe to actually being covid. Uh, but I don't understand why he would have control over being able to state the cause of death. Something missing from the story. And then the other reason I didn't want to play it is because I didn't remember that I put it into the presentation and I don't have the sound set up for it. So just pretend like I never pulled up that slide. There was a lot of good information before this. Just to like well, pretend like we closed out with the with the better and good information. So there you go. That's our episode. Thanks for tuning in. Probably uh, no more episodes this week because we're going to be doing a live one from St. Louis. Uh Looking forward to that. The live part of the proms are absolutely always a blast. So if you're out in the St. Louis area or all you Kansas people, I do that drive. It's boring, but it's only three hours. And I don't know when we're next going to be in Kansas. Kansas was a good market. I got to tell Dave, we should be uh, we should be doing Kansas at some point. But I'm very happy to be on the road doing some tour dates with Dave. Got to dust off the old axe since I've been working on the end of year stuff. Probably not going to be repeating uh, any of those jokes. Uh, so coming out, St. Louis, going to be a good time. And that is it for today. But I haven't stopped the feed yet. So, you know, just uh, you can talk amongst yourselves for a minute. But it's over. There, there's no.